Just get a quick sound check. Sound okay? Thank you. So in uh, in the session this afternoon, um, instead of a traditional Dharma talk, um, we're all going to, each of us is going to talk to you a little bit about uh, the ending of the retreat and what happens next. And uh, then uh, we'll do a, a relational practice that will involve some mindful speaking and listening. So I'd like to start by telling you the story of my friend Jeff, who came to a retreat much like this and spent a number of days gathering the attention and um, walking and sitting and walking and sitting and walking and eating mindfully and stringing together more moments of mindfulness the way we've been practicing. And uh, when the retreat ended, he went to his job at the zoo. And uh, his boss noticed that Jeff was talking a little bit slowly and moving a little bit slowly. So he said, Jeff, why don't you work with the tortoises? (laughs) This would be like a nice energetic fit. (laughs) And then midday, as was the custom, the supervisor went to go check in with Jeff and... uh, the tortoise enclosure was open, tortoises were gone, and Jeff was just sitting there looking kind of confused. He said, Jeff, what happened? Jeff said, you know, I don't know, I, I opened the door, and then whoosh. <laughs> and I love this joke because that that quite often is my experience with leaving retreat, that the world is moving at a much faster pace. And I have the sense that maybe we don't, we're like, we're all in a field together that is becoming more still, more quiet, more settled. So it's sometimes a little bit hard to tell until we leave the cocoon of this retreat container. Also, it's often said that uh, the practice will continue to work on you. Like all these days of uh, practice, it doesn't just stop. But you'll you'll be many of you will be in a process for maybe as many days as we've been practicing, and maybe even longer. Um, so it's really helpful to be uh, to be aware of that. That might be going back with uh, senses that are more attuned and open, a heart that maybe is more variable than is usual, uh, and to take great care with that to the extent your schedule permits it to ease back into daily activities um, and make it a point to delay checking emails and getting involved in things as long as possible just to kind of protect the 
it can be jarring to the system to get all of a sudden involved in a lot of activity. It's really good to have a plan for how you'll talk about the retreat with people. Um, I was telling this story in one of the practice discussion groups that I had this experience once here, and uh, I was in the dining hall, and someone motioned to pass the salt, and I was and as I was lifting the salt, the light came in from the skylight at just the right angle, and the, and the salt was glistening like the most beautiful jewel, and in that moment, I felt everything was going to be okay. This profound moment of like a oneness or connective experience. And when I went home, a friend asked, how was the retreat? And I told him this story. <laughs> in all sincerity, like it just... This is what was my experience. And he sort of like raised his eyebrow and said, okay. <laughs> and that was actually quite devastating <laughs> to get that response to something that had been so profound to me. So know your audience. Um, my standard response to non-practitioners when they say, how was your retreat? I say, it was great. Sometimes that's all people want to hear. <laughs> It's also really helpful to wait, I don't know, two weeks before making any major life decisions. <laughs> I have a friend who came to a retreat like this and uh, really got swept up in the notion of generosity, so he gave his car away to someone who needed a car. Uh, and then a couple weeks later realized that, you know, living in L.A., you kind of need a car. <laughs> Yeah, really to, um, it's also helpful to tell people that you live with or in relationship with that you're, you may still be in a process. I, um, the very first retreat I went to in 2004, um, my wife did this sort of saintly thing and the retreat was happening during a week that we were planning to move. And, uh, she agreed she would just take it on. Partly because that's the kind of person she was. Also, I thought maybe she thought it would be a little easier without me micromanaging the situation. But anyway, she moved while I was on retreat. Uh, and then when I got home, uh, I I didn't really know. It was my first retreat. I didn't know what, that I would be so malleable. But she had placed the couch in a place that I thought was not exactly the ideal place place and I was like is that is that where you're putting the couch and then the next thing you know she's like yeah this is where the couch is going the next thing I knew I was bawling <laughs> about the location of the couch she was like okay okay here we put it wherever you want <laughs> really helpful to pay attention to if you're driving as you leave this place, how you're driving. Uh, there's a story, I don't know if it's true, but that someone was at a retreat and they, they got pulled over and the officer said, why are you pulling me over? And she said, oh, I'm sorry, officer, I was speeding. And the officer says, no, ma'am, you were going 25 miles an hour on the 101. <laughs> sometimes it can feel like... So the overarching advice is just to be easy with yourself, to 
ease into life, to prepare yourself for the ups and downs of coming back into normal uh, life patterns. And then maybe I'll turn it over to um, my colleagues to give some more guidance on that. So I'll maybe um, pick up a thread and share just some hard-won lessons. You can ask me later how I know. Um, One of them that's kind of related uh, to what Gulu was pointing to in uh, all those stories. So we've been cultivating a lot of these heart qualities, a lot of these um, qualities of presence and mindfulness And so when you leave here, if you come out, I think as there was a Harry Potter reference earlier, carrying your staff of wisdom and your orb of compassion and start to bestow it upon the world, the world may not be quite ready for it. (laughs) So rather than bestowing that staff of wisdom and that orb of compassion, really just be your practice, right? So you can be patient with people. Have a little micro pause where you otherwise might just jump in with a comment. And so embody it and be it rather than explaining it. That's, again, you can ask me how I know. <laughs> this is a hard one lesson. Um, the other one that I would, uh, it's sort of a variation on a theme is, um, particularly as we move in here a little bit, you'll notice the energy bubbling back up, right? And it can feel a little bit like a, depending on which region of the country, soda or pop, where I am, they say pop. It can be like a pop bottle that you open and go, and so there can be a lot of energy. We're going to do our best to not have that, and just have it sort of slowly opening, so it's like a, more of that nature. Soda. Yeah, that's depending on which region you're in, soda or pop. We say pop in the Midwest. So we're going to take the top off instead of huge rush. So we're going to practice And so just to be sensitive to that energy, right? Noticing when you feel a lot of that bubbliness and it can almost feel like it's bubbling over um, like a soda bottle uh, that has overflowed. Um, And the last practical tip is if you just find yourself needing a moment of silence, the most practical place I can recommend is the bathroom. So that's a space where you can just close the door in just a moment. Um, So I thought I would share also just some practical strategies um, and, again, just some reflections about what might help you continue what you've been doing here. So sort of the different approaches that I found over the years that can really help with um, committing to caring for your practice and integrating it into daily life. And um, I'll go through several of these, but one of... um, the first tips is to really connect with uh, your motivation. So we've been here for a long time. You've had your own direct experience. And you can just ask yourself, well, you know, why might I want to continue this practice? Like, what is it that really I've benefited from in my own experience being here? And if you do that now while you're still here, it'll be so much more likely that when you leave you'll remember that and can reflect on that. So when it gets really challenging, you'll remember that motivation. And this is one of the, uh, the tips from a lot of the research, which is that if you anticipate the challenge before it happens and do a little bit of sort of preparation, you're much more likely to meet that challenge and be able to continue. It's harder in the moment. It's sort of like, uh, well, I don't need to go down a separate story. But anyway, so that's, that's the first strategy. The second strategy is... Um, 
kind of what we have here. It's community, community as a support. And there are so many options now, particularly online, uh, as well as local options in your area. And so I'm just a show of hands. How many have noticed a difference meditating in a group like this as opposed to meditating on your own? So just, again, look around, right? There's a different feel when we're with others that have this shared intention and a shared practice. And so that's something that can really support uh, this continuity. It's harder when we're on our own because we get busy, we get caught up in things, and it's natural. We'll just sort of go back to old habits and tendencies. Another really practical one that I like is just to create little reminders. So I used to do this all the time in the workplace. Sometimes I'd put a post-it note on a frame or I'd set an alarm on my uh, watch. Um, now it's probably, these days it's probably a smartphone. Um, and I'd have little ways of reminding myself to um, just touch in. So I had a practice for a long time. Every time I was at work and I printed something, that was my walking meditation because I had to walk to the printer and so normally when I just walk to the printer, I just space out and think about the meeting I was going to or whatever I was doing next. But actually I knew that that was always going to be a distance to the printer and then back from the printer to my office. So it was like I had a little walking lane that was right there at work, but I had to remember that. And so I could create these little reminders for myself just to sort of bring it in, weave it in through the day. It can be quite, quite uh, helpful and powerful. Um, Another one that's kind of fun, you can play with this. Uh, you know, again, don't, uh, <laughs> don't make this into a grim duty, please. Um, but you can actually write yourself a little sort of um, practice commitment contract if you want. And um, it can be really helpful. You just grid it out and say like, oh, here's a week. And I'm going to commit to three times in a week. And you don't have to be super precise, but a little precision. So sometimes if you do like morning, afternoon, or evening, and you just say, okay, on Wednesday morning, I know I'm going to practice. On Thursday evening, I'm going to do another practice. And then maybe Sunday mid-afternoon. So you just pick three times. And then you post it somewhere where at least you can see it. And if you want a little added support, you post it where others can see it. Because that'll help with the accountability. It's a gentle kind of accountability. And again, you can play with it. And all of these different things. Um, for those of you that like the science, there's sort of science behind each of these, which is why I'm recommending them. Not that you need that, but it's just if, you, if that sort of is a motivator and you're interested in that, that's where these are coming from. The last few are um, creating habit. So what we know about uh, habit formation is that there's essentially three components. So there's a cue, there's a routine, and there's a reward. And when you have those three elements, we actually are much more successful at ingraining particularly uh, new habits. And so as it relates to practice, seeing if you can find a cue for you. So the cue might be, you know, when you first wake up in the morning uh, or when you're heating up your lunch and you're kind of in a transition space and you know have some time, you know, you can find whether it's just a simple couple of minutes of doing standing practice while you're waiting for your lunch to heat up in the microwave or if you first wake up and say, no, when I first wake up, that's my cue that I'm going to go practice meditation for 10, 15, 20, you know, whatever, however many minutes you have that work for you and see if you can stage the environment so that that cue becomes more automatic. So I used to sometimes put my cushion like literally in my walkway in the morning. So when I wake up, I would have to step over it and it was a choice. I would know that I was stepping over it, but at least it would bring it forefront into my mind, and recognize, oh, I'm choosing not to, to meditate right now. I'm choosing to step over it. So again, don't make this like some 
grim duty, but play with a way to help yourself be accountable. So finding some cue. And then the routine is just as simple as it might be, you know, 10 minutes. You just commit to 10 minutes. That's the routine. And at the end, do something that is uh, a reward. It can be as simple as just taking a moment to appreciate yourself for having practice. You could take a couple of minutes to have a cup of tea. You know, you might just find something that has a little bit of pleasantness to it, and that'll help then you form the new habit. Um, And it can be really uh, cool to watch as you play with this cue routine reward because uh, pretty quickly it can actually establish a new routine and a new practice. Um, So the last two, uh, one is committing to continue to learn. So find something here that you just were like, that was really interesting. You know, something one of the teachers shared or one of the practices, and then make a commitment to learn more about that. Because when we make, as I was saying on the opening night, curiosity, when we're in that active state of curiosity, it becomes a little bit of a motor or an engine for our practice, because that will sustain us more than if we're just doing something out of rote repetition. Curiosity actually kind of wakes us up, has that quality of aliveness in it, and we're much more likely to uh, be carried by that than just, oh, I need to do this because I should do it, right? That was all the things I was talking about before. And then the last thing, very last thing, and this commits, this is sort of connected to that diamond I gave with that last point was starting again. So at the end of the day, just take a moment to reflect. And if you get to your end of your day and you say, well, I didn't practice at all today, then take just 30 seconds or a minute and practice in that moment. No judgment, no need to sort of, you know, go into narrations about, oh, I said I was going to do this and I didn't do this and I had a commitment contract and I used like all six strategies that Alex said and none of them worked and here I am at the end of the day. You just start again. And in that moment, it's quite powerful. So each of these uh, different strategies kind of work in different ways Uh, just to sort of nudge us in the direction of continuing our practice. So I think maybe I'll stop there and open it up for my other colleagues. I think the only thing I would add, I think a lot was covered already, But one thing that I would add, if you feel that um, you're ready to work with the teacher to really, um, you know, show up to their teachings, their sangha, you know, inquire if they're available to work with one-on-one and, you know, to help you continue this practice and not do it alone. Thank you. Um, okay, I'll add a few things. Um, so, l- well, let me just say this. Tomorrow morning, we'll say a little bit more, and you'll have an opportunity to ask all the questions you want to ask. So this is kind of, we're seeding, S-E-E-D, um, seeding <laughs> the fact that you are going to be going back home, and we're just wanting to give you kind of an opportunity to reflect and uh, know what you're in for a little bit. Um Please come back and do more retreats. If you had a great time, I mean, great, 
great, this relative term, but you had a time that felt worthwhile and important and beneficial. And I know talking to many of you, there's like been so much insight and connection and joy. And some, for some people, it was more neutral, but you had a sense like, wow, something is happening. That's, an, that's another thing to keep in mind, that, that um, sometimes we don't know what has happened here, and it doesn't show up till we're home. And then a week later, we're like, oh, that affected me. I didn't realize. Or we start acting a little bit differently, and your partner or your children or somebody in your family says, that, you seem kind of different. Like, what, what happened to you on that retreat? Um, there's, there's a process that's a little beyond our cognitive knowing about what, what is changing within us. And to just kind of, you're in a process and really trust that that is happening. Um, but what I was saying is, if you found this beneficial, please come back and do more. You can do longer retreats. You can do short retreats. We'll share our resources tomorrow about how you can do more with us. And it's so powerful. Like I said earlier today, Spirit Rock is a spiritual home for you. And you're always welcome here. Another thing that people are... Um, that people work with is are the precepts. Remember at the very beginning, we took the precepts and those precepts are, were specific to being on retreat, but they're actually really useful in life. So the first one, if you remember, is to protect life. Um, so you might, there's a lot of ways to think about that living out in the world and they're, they're sort of like the personal level, there's interpersonal level, there's global level, but how do you protect life from whether how you treat bugs and animals and what if your house has an ant infestation and what do you do if, you know, there's, um, like, do you make choices around, are you a vegetarian, do you... We're not suggesting that you there's a, a specific thing that you must do, but just using the precepts as a guide for how you think about the world, if you wish. And then the second one, to take only what's offered to you. So living in a way that feels really like, like sufficient, like I have enough. And um, the opposite is like taking from others or stealing. And then um, being wise with our sexuality, you are... Tomorrow, not today, you are released from the, the celibacy commitment here at the retreat. But how do we live in a way that's really caring and compassionate in all our relationships uh, with others? And then the fourth one is our is the speech one, which is like super helpful. Is the speech is my speech true? Is it useful? Is it kind? Is it um, harmony producing or does it divide people? Is it harsh speech? Is it false speech? These are things we're going to do a little speech practice in a few minutes. And you can, it's once you start talking, it's like, right, there's that whole habitual way in which we talk. And can we bring mindfulness to it? Mindful speech is the fourth one. And then the fifth one is about our relationship to intoxicants and things which we consume. So do the things we consume cloud and confuse our mind, or do they lead to more health and well-being? And so that could be, um, traditionally, as we talked about, drugs and alcohol, but it's also, it can be anything. You know, um, uh, the use of technology, it can be our relationship to food, it can be work, it can be um, exercise, it can be our, all of the things that we 
do to check out or to check in. And so it's just interesting to look at our consumption patterns as a mindfulness practice. And the, the spirit in which we offer the precepts is that um, it's not like you have to do it this way. It's definitely not that. What it is is here are tools to help you reflect. And you have those sheets, take them home if you want, and look at them and say, oh, how, how am I living my life? Am I living my life in alignment, alignment with my integrity, with who I want to be in the world, with the values that I want to see around me, mirrored around me? Am I living as the person I want to be in this world? That's what the precepts are about. They're, like, they're a way of, of exploring that and then having our behavior match our deepest values. I like to say that integrity is um, not... Um, what, doing what, I, what feels good, but doing what makes me feel good about me, about myself. So before we move into our practice that we're going to do together, I'm, Varun, do you want to do a little <laughs> something to move them about? A little something? Okay. So I might need <laughs> a person. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so we thought we, before we did some relational mindfulness that we would just um, do some kind of embodied physical exercise together. And so, yeah, so we're just going to um, take um, forearms across. And forearms are better than, than hands. And we're just going to share some weight. So just kind of like bending and leaning back. And this is, we're in relationship. We have to not let Diana fall over. <laughs> but yeah, and just kind of softly. And this is actually a nice little, little back stretch. And then we shift hands, taking the forearms. And you have to stand a little bit close, otherwise you don't have a place to lean back to. I'm just kind of feeling, sharing weight, feeling your partner. Give me a little more weight. And then crossing hands and going a little bit wider. And then we just kind of give ourselves a nice little hip stretch here. Yeah, and it works better if both people lean back a little. <laughs> so when, so you don't fall over. So yeah, so just... just. This, this is optional. If you feel like you're not ready to connect with a person in this way, you don't have to do it. <laughs> but we, we're about to have you start talking to each other, and we wanted to start with a silent connecting first. <laughs> but if you do want to just, mm -hmm. just say no. If you, don't, you don't have to stand up and do it, okay? So, but if you want to, but mm -hmm. I want to keep them going. <laughs> so, just standing up and finding a partner to do this with, whoever's nearby. Yeah, and just grabbing, starting with the right forearm. Gently leaning back. Mm 
Making sure to get a nice stretch that should feel nice for your back. <laughs> and coming to the second side. And then clasping both forearms and taking your legs a little bit wider and giving yourself a nice little hip stretch here. And again, we're sharing, we're sharing weight. We're trying to lean back somewhat equally so we don't fall over. Thanking your partner. <laughs> okay, that's the um, <laughs> beginning of the silent period has ended. You ended the silent, uh, the silent keeping in your own space and having zero connection people. Now you have connection. And now we're going to move into... We're going to be talking to each other. So after six days of not talking, you were going to do that. But let me give a little context for how we're going to do it. And, um, and also to say, if there are people in the room who are just like, I need another afternoon of silence and I don't want to break my silence right now, you're welcome to leave the room and continue on the retreat to let you know, after this, we're going to have an hour or two of where talking can happen outdoors for people who wish. So if you decide to leave because you, want, you don't want to break your silence, know that there will be talking, but you can just kind of put your hand in your chest or something, and so people know that you don't want to talk. Okay. Um, all right, so my first question is, who is excited to talk? Raise your hand. Like one person, no. <laughs> Who is nervous about talking? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and who is, who is kind of like, ah, I don't care, or that sounds good. Right, okay, so somewhere in between. We're about to do practices that we call relational mindfulness practices. And relational mindfulness practice is when we take the mindfulness that you have been practicing off of the sitting, the cushion or chair, and we bring it into the people that we relate to. And this is an incredible practice because... Um, we spend, you know, people say, I don't have enough time to practice mindfulness. So Alex was talking some about how to have a daily practice and how to set up the routine and stuff. But some people, it's hard to do. It's hard to have a daily practice. Well, you have an entire day to practice relational mindfulness if you're relating with other people. You can speak and listen mindfully all day long. If that's your, if that's, you know, for those of us who are, have interactions with people, it's an incredible place to practice. And there's so much mindless speech out there in the world, whether it's mindless speech on a larger, you know, 
cultural, social level, but the mindless speech that we do all day long of blah, 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 opening our mouth and just filling the silence with blah, 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 right? You know, you're familiar with that one. People have a lot of discomfort. My daughter is so funny watching like when they're, she's 13, so everything is awkward, but she's always like, oh, awkward silence, awkward silence, right? <laughs> Cannot stand it. Um, so mindful speech involves more intentionality. Like we're speaking, we're, we're going to invite a speech here that's coming more from our heart or from our place of authenticity, however you want to think about it, being real rather than the usual blah, 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 which comes out of our mouth. And mindful listening is something you can do anytime you're listening. No one ever has to know. We bring our full attention to another person. And we're right there. So all that we're practicing, that you've been practicing on the cushion, on the chair for the last six days, is now going to translate into how you meet another human being. So I like to give some guidelines for mindful speaking and listening. If you're the listener, the invitation is to basically give really good attention. It doesn't mean you have to stare in their eyes. Oh, you know, it's nothing like that. It's just giving, giving really good attention. When your attention wanders away, which it may do, you know exactly what to do, right? Come back, bring it back. It's the same exact practice, except your object or your anchor is going to be the other person. So you're with, and, and your anchor is also a, a, some awareness of what's happening inside you. So the third thing to do is to notice inside yourself from time to time. It's helpful maybe to notice something physical, like noticing you know, your butt on the chair or your hands, or you might take a breath, become aware of that. You also might be aware of your reactions and your judgments and the way you want to jump in. I mean, so many people speak and listen, well, listen very unmindfully. You know, you're listening for someone and you're immediately wanting to jump and interrupt them. You're listening to someone and you want to try to fix them. Or you're listening to someone waiting for them to stop so you can tell them about yourself. You know what I mean? You're listening to someone. Pretend that's a phone. You're listening to someone. You know that one, right? Um, so in this case, so remember, you're going to give good attention. If your attention wanders away, you bring it back. And you're going to notice internally and notice yourself from time to time. If you're the speaker, speaking authentically from the heart, if you're, um, you can also notice your body and you notice your inner experience. You can slow down. There's no rush here. And you can um, also, uh, this, is, this is the interesting one, you can narrate a little bit about what you're experiencing as you're talking. So what I mean by that is like, I could say, oh, I notice as I'm talking, my fingers rotating back and forth. I've just made conscious, made verbally conscious my experience, but it might be more, might be more interesting than that. Like, <laughs> as I'm telling you the story, I'm noticing that I'm, the strong energy is moving up my stomach and it feels intense and I think I feel a little bit of joy and it's kind of exciting and it's moving in my belly around like a whirl. 
We don't normally talk like this. But this is, um, this is for this mindful speaking and listening exercise. You're going to play with the, what, you're, what you're experiencing as you talk about it. Okay, I'm going to walk you through it, and you will, uh, you will, it'll be very structured. And then we can talk about how it translates out. So I'd, why don't you get into groups of, yeah, if you want to leave, if you're like, no, I've had it, please leave. <laughs> it's fine. If you want to be here for it, it's, um, and just reminder, the people leaving, there will be a, t- there will be talking that happens in until 7, thir- 7.45. It's, oh no, sorry, till you sit at seven o'clock. Um, so just know that that's going to happen, but it won't, it won't happen in the buildings. All the buildings will be quiet, and you can kind of walk away from people if you want to. All right. Uh, so get into a group of three. Find yourself in a group of three, Any, and it doesn't matter who. Nearby people is probably the easiest. And if you don't have... R- if you don't have a group of three, stand. Oh, in a moment. Let's just give it a minute. Who raise your? Don't talk yet. Yeah, raise your hand if you need a third. Okay. Is there any ex? Are there any extra people? Okay, extra person. There's a, a group. Raise your hand that needs a third. Anybody else need a third? Uh-oh, we have another two. It's fine. Oh, over there, you need... Well, why don't one of the four go into the group of three? Is that okay? I mean, group of two. Sorry, group of two with the fourth. Okay, and do you still have a group of four over there? Uh, is there anybody else that needs a third? Do you have... Are you only two over there? No. All right, well, the group of four just... Um, I'll, t- I'll, I'll work with the group of four. You'll, it'll work. Okay. Um, all right, so a couple of more things. As we, we're going to do something that's weird. Some of you have done this before. You know what you're, what you're getting into here. But what we're going to do is a little weird. I'm going to give you a topic, and the person is going, one person is going to talk, and the other two people will listen. And they will talk for, I'm going to time you, about two minutes, which sounds like a lot, but it's actually not, once you get going. And if you run out of things to say, it's fine. Just sit there in silence or say, I don't know what to say. When's she going to ring the bell? Gosh, it's, this is going on way too long. But I think you're going to have stuff to say. The other two are listening, doing the, the listening practice I described, giving really good attention. And, um, and like I said, you don't have to stare into their eyes. You don't have to, um, this is not, uh, just look normal. You can smile and nod and show that you're listening. But don't interrupt and don't ask questions. You'll have time to talk at the end in a normal way. All right. So, um, the second thing is, uh, third thing is, wait a minute, run out of things to say. I forgot. Anyway, good enough. Um, so let's figure out who is going to go first and figure out who in the group has the birthday earliest in the year. Got it? Okay. You're going to be the speaker. You're going to be the speaker. All right? The first speaker. 
And I'm going to talk you through, and we're going to pause in between, and the whole thing is going to be a very meditative exercise where you're going to practice speaking and listening in this way and see what happens, okay? So let's start with our eyes closed. If you are the speaker, I want to remind you that you are speaking authentically from your heart. You definitely don't have to bear your soul and tell your deepest, darkest secrets or anything. No, but just whatever feels comfortable. Um, you are checking into your body from time to time. You can slow down and you can even narrate a little bit what you're experiencing as you're talking, if you want. If you're the, the other two listeners, you're giving full attention. If your attention wanders, bring it back. You're also tuned in to what's happening inside you and maybe notice your body from time to time. So the topic that the speaker is going to start with is start with um, just share, like what was a high point or a snapshot of your time here? Something that really was uh, something you learned or was interesting to you or just something about your experience that if you were going to like present like, oh, this is a snapshot of my time. Maybe just take a moment to reflect. Everybody reflect like a kind of a snapshot. Oh, there was this moment when I was staring at the turkeys and I was hungry and I could be present with all of it. But then ultimately you can just talk about anything you want to share in, in your practice here. So we'll start with a snapshot. And then moving into whatever you feel like sharing about your experience, about your experience on the retreat. Okay, so open your eyes and you're going to have two minutes and I'll time you. And ready, early birthday person, <laughs> begin.
So I, you may be mid-sentence. You may be mid-sentence, but I just invite you to stop for a moment and close your eyes. Sorry to interrupt. And just go back inside and notice the reverberations. Sometimes we practice another acronym called STOP, where we stop, we take a breath, and then we observe what's happening inside us after speaking or listening in that way. And now we're going to P, the P and STOP is proceed. So remember, we're going to move on to the next person. If you're the listener, giving good attention. If your attention wanders, bring it back. Notice what's happening inside you, especially some physical things like your breath, your feet, so on. If you're the speaker speaking authentically, also noticing yourself from time to time. And uh, slow down and even narrate your experience if you wish. So open your eyes, and next person, go clockwise again. Sorry to interrupt. Going back into silence. And let's practice stop. We stop. We take a breath. We observe. What was that like inside us? And then, how was it like? What was it like to speak or listen in that way? And then we're going to proceed by moving on to the next person. I think you remember the guidelines. 
So open your eyes and third person begin. Interrupting again, and even if you're mid-sentence, coming back to silence, eyes closed, taking a breath, and we can practice stop, take a breath. Observe what it was like to speak or listen in that way. And then we're going to proceed in the group of four, the fourth person go. In the rest of the group, we're going to have about three minutes to have a conversation. And that conversation is can be a little bit about what that was like to just do this exercise or what was it like to talk or if there's something you want to ask the person or respond to or something, you're welcome to just have a free conversation. If you're mindful, that's great. If you're not, we'll never know, so it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, the, group of, the group of four, uh, let the other person go, and then you can take a little time. Okay, so ready? Normal conversation, begin. <laughs>
So sorry to end it so soon, but um, thank your partners and then turn back around. Or come back to your spot. So we want to hear how that went for you. Any shares um, or questions about mindful speaking and listening and how, we'll say a tiny bit tomorrow maybe about how you might incorporate it more into life when you're not here, but how did that go? What was it like to speak after six days of not speaking? (laughs) What? What? What is it? Oh, good. (laughs) Great. Hi, um, I was noticing that it felt really good to talk to people and to listen to people in this moment and how much I hate those mindless conversations in day-to-day life. Like just the, like you were saying, the blah, blah, blahs, like I hate it so much. And it feels so good to have meaningful conversations and to listen to people talking about meaningful things as opposed to just filling the silence. And I think moving forward, I'm going to be a lot more mindful about not just trying to fill the silence with blah, blahs. Yeah. That's a beautiful thought, and it's important. And it has a lot to do with who we surround ourselves with. You know, and finding people in our lives where we can have deep and authentic conversation is so key. And we can do that. And you can start right here. You made a friend, they're your friend. Get their, get their email, connect, right? But, but you will find those people. And the more this is a path for you, and it may already be, the more you'll find people where that is, that is kind of the currency. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. What else happened? I think right behind you. I was really nervous, I noticed beforehand. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there was like an aspect of like how I wanted to hear myself speak and it was kind of faster than I wanted, but it's just where I was. Um, but I really appreciated having the uh, structure, like knowing I was going to be able to speak without interruption and that there was specific guidance to how I was to be listened to and the same when I was listening. That really made it feel more doable. Mm. Great. I'm glad the structure supported you. So what's about to happen is you're not going to have any structure. Sorry. And, but the things we just practiced here, you can practice in a, you know, the whole time. So when you have interactions now, staying connected to your body, noticing your body from time to time, noticing where your mind goes, staying, all of that can be incorporated into the next couple of hours of talking and then also when, when you go home, we call it like stealth mindfulness, right? No one has to know that you're actually listening and speaking mindfully. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, it's not like you're going to go home and be like, okay, you know, talk to your partner and be like, you talk for five minutes and I'll listen deeply. And now, although some people do that. I mean, I will say. Anyway, another story. But, but um, you can just give your full attention. And then when someone asks you how you're doing, you can speak 
really from what's real. And I mean, that doesn't mean you go into Starbucks and the barista says, how are you? And you say, let me tell you about my da-da-da-da. No, it's appropriate, well-timed, yeah. But anyway, thank you for mentioning that. Other comments? Well, I'm a March baby, so I was first of our group to speak. Um, and it was, I still feel very raw and fragile after this long time. And so mm. I didn't share some of the deeper um, experiences. And it, it just does feel like a nice warm up. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe I can share more of that later. But I, I still, I don't know, I still feel like I'm not sure if I can share some of that with my partner. And so I feel like I need more warm ups mm. before I have these conversations in the real world. Yeah. Well, thanks for acknowledging the kind of vulnerability and fragility. Like a, a lot of people probably feel, yes, some of us feel that way. Yeah. So maybe a thing to do is um, sit down next to someone and, and just start with some little basic conversation and see if you can just kind of open that piece for yourself a little bit more. And maybe someone who heard you and was feeling the same way, you want to connect and and this is the place, this next couple of hours, and then also, tomorrow, well, really the next couple of hours is kind of like your, this ground to play and explore mindful speaking and listening. And it's for giving you this beautiful transition instead of just like throwing you out into the world. So, so for those of you who want uh, like a, some practice conversations, I, there are others who do too. So I wish I could like match you, but I can't. <laughs> you go talk to her, you go because I know. Because anyway, um, but uh, yeah, thanks for expressing that. Um, okay, maybe I see one last hand over here. Um, yeah. Oh, and if if for some if you need to go because of what like work matter? Oh no no no. Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, Alex was pointing out that if you're in a conversation and suddenly you realize like, whoa, it's too much stimulation or something, let's all respectfully like listen. If someone wants to say, no, I need to go or not right now, let's all agree as a community to that and that we're being really sensitive to each other. Yeah. Do you have any ideas what you can do, what I can do if I'm in a conversation that's all blah, 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 how do you get to move off of that and not something else? Yeah, it's a great question. How about we answer that one tomorrow because we're going to have time to really talk about being back in the world and let, don't, will you not forget that one and ask it again tomorrow? Okay, great. Yeah, so let, that's what I'm going to explain now. No, the answer is no. Um, there is from now until the 7 o'clock sitting... Um, it is a talking period if you wish, but there is no talking in any building. So especially not in here, not in the hallway right here, right now, not in your residence halls and not in the dining hall and not in the restrooms. Um, <laughs> um so but what, where does that leave you? <laughs> Nowhere. No, no. Um, all around the whole campus, you can you can talk. Uh, you can you know opportunity to talk. Yeah, and 
And, and as we said, take care of yourself. Listen really deeply around what, what feels comfortable to you because we don't want you to get like blasted. But also, um, it, it's good to practice, as I think you were pointing to. Like, it's good to just like have these at the beginning conversations. And this is a time for deep speech, right? It's a time for connection. It's a time for deep listening. It's like everybody here has a commitment to being, to you know, to working on themselves and coming into more joy and connection, and compassion. So you're with a really great group of people. So, um, so use this time well. And then when the bell rings at seven, for, for the seven o'clock set, when you come in here, the silence will start again until after the morning set, early morning set. What's also going to happen is there's going to be some tables unveiled with like mailing lists and things to look at. And so that's going to be very compelling. You're welcome to look at it, but we do want you to get down to dinner because I'm already running late and the cooks don't like it when we're late. So my hope is that you'll kind of go quickly down to dinner, grab your food. And if you want to eat outside and talk, do it. If you don't want to talk, sit inside, but get there pretty soon, as soon as you can, or we'll get in trouble. <laughs> so don't do that. All right, did I leave anything out? Oh, the bookstore is open. Um, it's down, down. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.